Hey everybody, Matt Camp here with Deal Machine. Uh, we're proud to team up with Tom Zeeb here to give you guys a ton of free stuff. So our goal here is to give you the free toolkit to get out there and start finding off-market deals. Um, we're proud to say we're the highest rated and most reviewed app out there to go find off-market deals. And we've had over 10,000 deals done using the Deal Machine app. Now, when you download it, you can get it for free at tomzeeb.com slash dealmachine, and you'll get a seven-day free trial with that. And jumping into Deal Machine, you'll be able to go out there, start driving for dollars, start pulling lists, start finding the most motivated sellers in your market. And then you can start marketing to them directly. You can skip trace, you can send them postcards, you can knock on their door. There's a variety of things that we can help you out with using our technology. And then from there, you can actually evaluate the deals, You know, comp it, use our AI assistant to help you out there as well. You really get the full toolkit to go from you know having no real estate experience to landing your first deal using technology. So it's tomzeebcom slash deal machine for that free trial. With it, if you go through that link, you're going to get $30 free in marketing credits that cover a couple hundred free skip traces or 50 free postcards, give you everything that you need to start reaching out to sellers. So um, get out there and happy deal finding. You know, close your eyes and imagine you've got all the money, you've got the whole network, you've got all the resources in the world at your fingertips. You've already blown out the first year of doing all the big stuff, right? That everyone does. So we're talking about after, after you do crazy stuff and you settle into a life, your ideal life, what does that look like? And write down, what would you do every day, every week, every month? Welcome to the Get Traction Podcast. If you were ready to learn exactly what it takes to become a real estate entrepreneur, this is the show for you with your host, founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors and president of the Traction Real Estate Investors Association, Tom Z. Mike Vogel, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, Tom. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, gang, I've known Mike for oh, quite a while. I say at least a dozen years, probably more, living in Colorado. And Mike, why don't you... Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Great. Uh, so Mike Vogel, I moved here in Colorado, Fort Collins area back in 20, 2005 with my brother. And, you know, we started in the real estate world, kind of just bumbling around trying to figure out how to do it. Read the Rich Dad Poor Dad book in high school. And we knew we needed to find a mentor. So uh, we did a lot of searching and found a great guy who kind of got us going in the whole real estate world. Um, we started with good credit, $5,000 in the bank, and that's about it, you know, and some hardworking ethics. And that got us, you know, we, we found some great teachers. We worked hard. We took care of the people that, you know, lent money to us and, and worked with us. And we were able to build a very successful real estate business with the rentals and some flipping. So tell um, us about that. Let's detail that out so people understand what successful was. In fact, because the end, the end result was a very early retirement for you, correct? It was, yeah. So, you know, our parents taught us the idea of get a good education, get a good job with benefits, retire when you're 60, 65, and you're successful. So that just felt like a long time to us. And so that's why we were trying to find another way, right? So we're hoping yeah. real estate could get us there quicker, which it did. You know, our, our understanding, we didn't have RIAs, access to RIAs. We didn't know what they were when we started off, right? And that probably could have helped us get going even a lot quicker. So we were kind of learning from our mistakes. And, you know, we bought our first house and lived in it while we did the remodel. We didn't have a bathroom for three months. You know, went to a local park. We had a hose over the tree for a shower. Like, <laughs> we, we did it. You know, we, we got into it. And we were all about the cash flow. So... We didn't even know what flipping was at that time. We weren't watching HGTV. Um, we were just trying to buy rentals so we could have some passive income every month. That was our goal. A couple of years after we started, we kind of did our first accidental flip because the cash flow didn't work very well. We're like, well, why don't we just fix up a little bit and then we can sell it and we'll have more capital to buy another rental. So we did that. It worked well. When you put a lot of your capital, for us is a lot at least, into your first flip and then you're trying to sell it and you're like, well, is someone going to buy it? You know, you're, it was stressful, you know, to see if it was going to work or not. And, I understand. And it did. And it worked great. And then as we were along that journey, we did find a little real estate group that was networking and, and whatnot and uh, got involved in that. And we found that that helped us, you know, get a lot of resources and um, meet more people who were doing some interesting stuff that we could learn from and, and share information from. And 
that kind of led us to start our own RIA in Colorado called ICOR. And so we started that really small up in Northern Colorado and it was great. We brought in people to teach us how to do stuff we wanted to do, right? And then we had a lot of people who were also interested in that. So it's kind of a win-win. Put together your own like-minded community. Exactly, yeah. exactly. At your peak, Mike, how many rentals did you have? Uh, we probably had 140 doors Okay. at our peak between the three of us. So there's three of us that end up doing it, my brother and I, and then Dave Lund, a really close friend from college, joined us in the beginning. So, nice. Yeah. 140 Probably doors. Lips, you know, so 80, 80 what's that like and, to manage for a couple of fellows? You know, we, uh, we had another friend who helped a lot with the back end stuff, the management, um, doing the bookkeeping. So we could focus on the different parts of business that we were good with and were able to grow. And so he was a hard worker, very detailed. And I'd say maybe three or four years ago, we decided, he decided to move on. So we actually hired a professional manager and that's been a great, a great decision because managing rentals is, is a hard, hard job, a hard business. And it really takes away from growing the business, in my opinion. So got you. So if you are the investor trying to both grow the business and manage what your portfolio, you say, you think that's kind of too much for one person. I think it creates a lot of drag, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you got to answer phone calls and deal with a tenant who's late in their payment, you know, that can add up to hours a week. And what if you find one more deal with those two or three hours that could bring in another 20 grand or another couple hundred dollars a month? I mean, that's to me, that's worth offloading to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, while we were trying to build our business, our real estate business, you know, the three of us also had part time jobs. So, our goal was to bring in food money and our rent money for where we were through jobs and not our investments. So we could kind of roll that money over into our investments that can grow quicker. And it worked well. I mean, you know, great. My brother had a credit repair company and did some mortgage brokering. I did some mortgage brokering and some hard money lending, kind of got into that business that way. Dave worked at REI and, and got into guys license to sell real estate. And so that created another income source. You know, we, I was a bike mechanic. We did landscaping. Greg was a line chef for a local restaurant. Like we kind of just had our hands where we could to bring in some extra cash while we're still trying to do our deals. So it was, it was a busy time. So you're not afraid to get a little bit dirty, roll up the sleeves, put in the hard work because it was worth it because you saw, I mean, you saw a future in it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where we didn't, we didn't really know the path. You know, we, we, we knew a lot of wealth has been built in this country through real estate investing and rentals. We didn't know, I think we had really high expectations beginning. We had yeah. some, some lofty goals that we realized were unattainable for what we were trying to create with our level of skill, experience and whatnot. And we realized that and our goals became demotivating for us because of, of what we created and not being able to attain them. That's where we kind of, one mentor shared his idea of the whole lifestyle design thing. Cause okay. really what it all comes down to why we're doing all this is to have a certain type of lifestyle. Okay. Right. If you have a hundred million dollars in the bank, but your life sucks. Like <laughs> what's that money going to yeah. do for you? Right. Yeah. The, the money affords the lifestyle you want, but I think the ultimate goal for us that was so motivating was what is the lifestyle if we had it all that we would want to live every day, every week, every month. And, you know, we talked about this a lot with you and, and a lot of others, a lot of those things you can, we could start doing right away, like read a book for an hour a day or go to the gym. Like that's yeah. part of what I want in my daily life, even if I have all this money. And so what we realized is we create that lifestyle of what it would look like. Then we saw how much it would cost and it costs a lot less than we thought we needed to make, which was awesome. <laughs> and it was a much more motivating exercise for us to keep on our minds as we were struggling through different parts of investing, right? Okay. So you, at one point, you had nothing wrong with lofty goals, but you had a loftier goal set and, but you weren't enjoying the journey of getting there as much. And so when you, when you kind of sat down and figured out what is it that you really want and put the lifestyle first, the goal dropped, but not in a bad way. It dropped to something that was much more attainable and you're more happy. Does that kind of summarize what you're saying? 
Yeah, I mean, it, and it also became more relatable, more, um, I could, I could feel it, touch it, taste it a lot more readily than I need this much cash a month in the, you know, of income. Great. Like, like that it's exciting to come up with a big number, but then when you're working your tail off and it's, it's, you know, real estate is, is exponential in my, how I've experienced it. Right. So a lot of work, a lot of work. It's a big boulder we're pushing. It doesn't create a lot yet, but we're building all the foundation and the setup and then it, it starts taking off. So when you're getting up and you have a goal of 30 or 40 K a month per person, and you're at $600 a month total, and it's not going up very much. It's like <laughs> the goal is worthless. It doesn't really provide value. It didn't provide value for us. Okay. Um, what did you do to fix it? Well, we created the, we did the whole lifestyle design exercise. Talk that's us through that because that's a Tim Ferriss. Gotcha. That's a Tim Ferriss concept, right? No, it's actually an Elmer Diaz concept. That's okay. Elmer Diaz. You remember him, right? I do. I know Elmer. <laughs> Yeah. So he's the one that taught us that he was, and this was when we had i going on and it was, he was helping us with i And the idea is it's a real simple exercise. And we, we always do a workshop with people and i with this is, you know, close your eyes and imagine you've got all the money, you've got the whole network, you've got all the resources in the world at your fingertips. You've already blown out the first year of doing all the big stuff, right? That everyone does. So we're talking about after after you do crazy stuff and you settle into a life, your ideal life, what does that look like? And write down what would you do every day, every week, every month, you know? Like, yeah, it'd be great to go travel Europe for 12 months, but then for me, I miss my community. Like my community is huge, my tribe, my my family, and just connecting with them, right? So what is what does your life look like for the next 50 years with all of that? And line it out, you know, brainstorm. And then from there, once you have your list, figure out what that costs a month, right? You know, if you're going on a big vacation twice a year, that might be 20, 30 grand, break that up monthly, right? Um, if you have, if you want to get a nice car, if you want a home, like figure out what those costs are monthly. Now you've got your nut that you need for your perfect life. And I think most people would be surprised they'd find themselves in that seven to 10 grand a month window. I mean, with inflation now and everything going up might be a little different, but that's the fun exercise. And some of those don't just take time, right? Something to take time and not money, like to read a book or to go on a walk in the morning with your loved one or your dog or whatever, just to have that extra space that maybe you don't have now, but you want. And so the beautiful part is that on day one, after you create that, you can start already achieving it, which is pretty cool. So when you added in the lifestyle elements, like reading the book, going for the walk, um, what was the impact on the hardcore business side of your business? It brought back our motivation and our drive and our desire, knowing that, oh, well, this is much more achievable, this number we're getting to. And how do we how do we balance our life a little bit so we're not always working, right? Mm-hmm. So can we have a more balanced life with the other things that we want to do, you know, beyond chasing that next deal just to get all this extra cash flow that we really don't have a use for or need for anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so it helped us helped us know helped us see that we were a lot closer to our goal. You know, the idea is if if we get to that number of ours, that's basically retirement, right? Yeah, it's passive. So that was much more attainable and we could see the path to it more clearly. Gotcha. I find it interesting, Mike, because a lot of times people are so afraid to come, come off point, so to speak. They just, you got it, but you're grinding it out all the time and it wears you out. People do need a break. Now, I mean, I don't take what I'm saying and decide to be on permanent vacation because that's the opposite extreme, right? There's somewhere there's a right. there's a sweet spot Balance. in the middle, and finding that and maintaining it is important. It is, yeah. One thing I tell people all the time is if if you get good at this, you develop skill sets around investing in real estate, and you enjoy it. Even when you reach your goal, you're not going to stop and be a couch potato because it's fun. 
and you're good at it and you're skillful and maybe you create other other ways you want to use your money give it away to teach others to create to create more around you more life more more excitement more uh supportive community so yes it's great to get to that number and be able to retire but in my i in most people i don't think they may not go as hard but they're not going to stop because they enjoy it i mean i haven't stopped and i could and it's i love it and i'm helping other people get there now you know and it's great yeah there's something deeply satisfying about that when you get to share it and inspire others to achieve the same yeah especially if they, they don't necessarily believe in themselves but then you share your story and and you offer ways where you can help them and and they get excited and they get into it so yeah. well, how long how long did it take so you guys were doing everything humanly possible to bring in every penny from traditional let's say job sources you know working you said you know kind of restaurant work and and uh retail work and how long did it take before that was able to phase down where we could focus more just on the business and yeah. not on jobs yeah That's when was the question. business finally producing enough for you how long did it take so what how things kind of turned is once we started doing more flips that started to supplement our daily needs income and so we we're using that and we, we realize that we get paid for what we're doing. So if I am doing landscaping work or fixing bikes and getting paid 10 to $12 an hour, eventually it did make sense to spend more time in real estate and close more deals. Granted, we didn't love eating from that money, but we had a lot more leverage and we can actually create a lot more income so that we could still put a lot towards the real estate business and keep some to feed us. So I would say our focus was able to shift away from the jobs probably four to five years. I mean, it's, it's fuzzy back then, but yeah. four to five years <laughs> after we started. So yeah. 2010 ish. Okay. If we bought our first property in May of 06. Okay. Um, That's not a bad path to retirement versus, you know, you're talking about the classic thing we've all been told, which is, you know, wait till you're in your sixties. That's a, a lot longer than four years. <laughs> Well, yeah, and we certainly couldn't just retire at that point. We were full time working sure. in the job, you know, and and working on the flips and managing those, and buying more rentals, managing the rehabs, managing the rentals at that time. So it was still, you know, and we had Icor that we were building and growing, yep. so that was going. So we All had uh, we we were busy. When did you? Two thousand fourteen, twelve and fourteen. You know, after that recession, there, that was when we were. We were buying a lot of properties and it was it was juggling. I mean, there was times where we were month to month, like if this flip doesn't sell, I don't know how we're gonna pay these bills come up next month, you know. So we had some moments in there where we were asset heavy but not cash heavy. Gotcha. Right? Yeah, the um <laughs> those tense moments when a rehab doesn't want to uh no one wants to buy yeah. it, and it would be really <laughs> nice to stop the bleeding. <laughs> And we got a lot of money in it. <laughs> I, I understand. It's one of the reasons I've been so addicted to wholesaling because I don't have the same bleeding intensity, but also the payout, therefore, isn't as big either. So it's a there's a balancing act. There is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And after that, how long? So are you, I know you, you're still doing things and you're working because you want to and because you enjoy it, but is it, has proper retirement in a way come? Do you need to be working? I would say I do not. Mm-hmm. So it, it has come. What I've been enjoying is I've, I've kind of moved into, so we got the rentals, right? And they're being managed passively. And Greg, Dave and I are taking turns being the point man for our management company for when they have questions or need us. Gotcha. And there's always, there's always something to do, right? I mean, it's, you think it's passive, but it's not. <laughs> Even with <laughs> a professional doing it. And so- what I've enjoyed through the, my whole career with real estate is I've enjoyed the financing side and helping to put a deal together. I didn't, didn't love managing the contractors. I don't love managing tenants. I don't love trying to sell the property. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of found that, you know, I've, I've stuck with the hard money lending business and I've really enjoyed that because it helps me to put a deal together. I'm very detail oriented and I can get it closed. And then my part of the 
deal is done, right? I, I collect payments, but I don't have to deal with all the other parts. And it, yep. it's been fun. So that, that's been keeping me busy. And it's a way for me to invest my money in a place where I, I know it, my experience is there, and I can get a, a great return without playing in the stock market um, or other places where I just don't trust. I don't, I'm not good, right? Like gotcha. I'm an expert in this, that I'm a, a newbie. And I feel like that's where you get your money taken away from you. So uh, that is a, you know, that is an interesting place mentally to get to because a lot of people miss the subtlety of what you just said. It's you're going to realize that you found a particular niche that you really like because it leverages the skills you've put together, uh, but you don't have to do the things you don't like doing. And so for you, that's been hard money lending. Now, other, now other people that may not be the right fit for, we're not saying that's a, a cookie cutter for everyone, but the Real estate's vast enough and diverse enough and has enough different things going for it that you can find a home in real estate that fits you like a glove. And so you're finding something that worked for you, fantastic. Someone else can find another element that they really, you know, if you if you love dealing with tenants, there's plenty of good places for you. In yes. fact, it sounds like that's somebody you would hire. But you know, if yeah. you if you hate dealing with tenants, which that it sounds like you, that's me, um, there's then great. We know we need to outsource that skill and focus yeah. in on other things. And I think some people are afraid to are afraid to admit that they need to get to that point. They feel like they should be doing everything. Did you have any guilt about not doing everything? Or they have to be good at everything, right? Yeah. You can't be. And I mean, yeah, I don't think there's enough time in the day or enough capacity to be good at everything because you can try, but you'll never be great at anything, right? Right. <laughs> and that's something Greg, Dave, and I did. So we did a little experiment while we were in the middle of all this. We kind of found we had, with the three of us, there were three main areas of the business. One is finding deals. Mm -hmm. Two is financing deals, doing the legal work, all those details, accounting and all that. And then the third is managing the deal, managing the contractors and the rehabs. So those are kind of three full-time jobs gotcha. that we found with the amount of deals we were doing. So like if you're doing you know, a lot fewer deals, you might be able to manage all of them just fine. So we decided, all right, so let's, let's rotate hats every six months to see who's really good at what, who really enjoys what, and where are we not good at? <laughs> Let me say it was, it was a good experiment it was very hard and frustrating for a lot of us because it became apparent very quickly who was good at what. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so, so we, we, we figured that out, which is kind of what we were doing anyways in the beginning. And I think that was kind of sobering. It helped us appreciate what the other, other guys were doing, right? Because the grass is always green on the other side, right? My job is always the hardest. They've got the easy one until you actually do it. So it helped us have an appreciation for our partners, oh, my partners, and uh, the skill they brought and how much work it was. And I think it helped me at least feel excited for what I was good at to continue to be good at and get better at and support our business in the ways that I could that way. That's one way to pay attention to it. If you're by yourself yep. and you're wearing all the hats, you may maybe being more conscious and aware of the different parts and where your energy rises when you're doing certain parts and where your energy dives down when you're doing others. And that might be a way like to your point of finding what you enjoy. And I think if people, ah, oh, there's a, there's a great book. What you probably know that says focus on your strength, strength finder. Okay. I really appreciate it. And I think if people spend more time on their strengths, they'll have exponential growth. Versus trying to focus on your weaknesses and make your weaknesses as strong as your strengths. Because who likes to focus? I mean, read the book. It's great. <laughs> who, who wants to focus on the weaknesses? Yeah, you, yeah, you might like, you bring everything to kind of an average level rather than bringing your good things up to an awesome level and just letting someone else deal with it. Yep. And think yeah. about what you're good at, your joy of doing it. Yeah. Your curiosity of getting better at it and learning more versus what you're not good at. It's like going to school and going to a subject you hate, but you're forcing yourself to like the effort doesn't get you as far here, your excitement, you're going to just blow it up. Right. right. So I'm the man of, if I can find someone to help take care of this part for me, I'm going to be happier. 
I'm, my business is going to grow more and it's going to be a more successful situation versus me just trying to get better in that one area. So what's the mental shift needed to make that happen? Because some people are going to say, oh, easy for you to say you'll hire somebody or I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, what, what does it take to kind of, because there's some mm. letting go involved there and then there's also a desire to have some. So what's the, what's the magic formula, Mike? That's, <laughs> I mean, that's a great question, right? Because it's so much of this business too is just inner growth and being able to see something and finding a different solution or letting go or being okay, not being great in one area. And so there's that mental shift to work on, right? Um, once people are aware of that, there's different ways. If you don't have money to pay someone because you're kind of new, I would suggest finding a partner who has those strengths because yeah, it's going to, that's going to take more money off the table for you, but it's also going to put a lot more, deals on the table for you guys to split and you don't need to be partners forever right? right so that that gets you started and then now you have more assets more income now you can hire this part out which becomes cheaper so you say thank you that was awesome going to continue on my own but i gotta say it's a lot of fun having partners i mean they can help hold you up and things are down and when you need to, when you have something to celebrate, you've got, you got your crew to celebrate with, right? Yeah. Um, and I do believe in the synergy, synergy around having a, a healthy, strong partnership. I think for the three of us, we got a lot more done than if we all did individually and added it up. So I think, I mean, I think partnerships are a great way to go if you know how to structure them well, if you know how to talk about the hard stuff and prepare for that before it happens have the right expectations and write it all down. So I like, you know, you guys have one of the, to be fair, Mike, it's one of the few partnerships I've seen that has worked really good and worked really good over time. Sometimes, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. for a project or for short term, but we're talking, uh, what, at least 15 years now with you guys more? Yeah. Yeah, I, guess, I, I know. I 15 years. I know one partner is your brother, but some people think the family aspect could actually yeah. <laughs> could, but run could from cause that, as right? much issues. Yeah, blood's thicker than water, but it's still, you know. <laughs> but still it, it can be spicy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it has its spices now and then. So what other, I like what you said about the fact that you all had done each other's jobs at some point and taken on the task. So you all knew how to do everything. When I mean, there's a There's a stability level to the business because of that. But you said one of the payoffs was that you all also appreciated what the other one's strengths and weaknesses were. And that kind of allowed you then to, to separate into your, your zones of strength, correct? Yeah, for sure. Okay. What kind of, what tips do you have for um, finding or building a partnership like that? I mean, surely there's, you know, patience would be a stereotypical one to have, but what, what else? Ah, <sighs> yeah. I mean... You know, they say partnerships are like marriages, right? And I, I do believe that that's, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I haven't been married yet, but I am engaged. Oh, fantastic. I didn't know that. Congrats. Get, get married in October. <laughs> Pretty excited. So Awesome. I've, I've trained a really a lot, long time for a marriage with my partnerships. So uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll go well. Um, I would say start slow. And I'll explain that. Uh, the other part is take some personality tests. You know, it was always fascinating to learn about how Greg's, Dave's, and my personalities were all very different. And that also is what helped us be so good in different areas that we were. And patience is huge, right? So part of what comes with very different personalities is different communication. And, and it's hard. Sometimes you think you're saying something and they hear something else, right? That's why I, I think it's so important to write down what's talked about or agreed on because then when the words are on paper it becomes more crystal clear to both parties what was agreed upon or, or talked about um, but patience is going to be key because you gotta you gotta be able to step in their their shoes and they'd step into yours and it takes time to figure out how to communicate with your partners but i would not i mean for me i think what's so important is finding a partner who is not you Right. So if you're a great deal finder, don't 
I mean, you might get along really well with another deal finder, but that's not going to help you grow your business. You're going to have way too many deals and no one's going to be able to manage the boat. It's just going to sink, right? So it's finding someone else who complements your skills. And once you think you found them and you've done maybe some personality tests, to see if you guys are different enough in those ways, because someone who finds great deals, they have a certain type of personality. Yes. Someone who is really good at financing and the details and, and pays attention to legal paperwork and all that, like me, it's going to have a very different personality than a deal finder, right? Um, so those are some, some things I found useful that we kind of stumbled upon because we didn't have anyone to mention this. We just realized this as we were doing our <laughs> partnership, right? Yeah. I would start small, like do a deal with someone and see how it feels, you know, see how you work out. You only need to create an LLC together. You can just have your, the two of you do the deal together in your names, two LLCs together and just get a flavor of how you guys work together. And if, if you guys work well and it feels like synergistic, then I'd say go in and create an LLC together. Like really go in full board and try to do it together. Yeah. I think that is one of the issues I normally see with partnerships is people tend to choose someone else that's like them, which is yeah. the exact opposite of what you just said to do. Choose someone that is complementary, but not an exact clone. Because if you go for an exact clone, what good does it do? Now you both have the same strengths and you both have the same weaknesses. So you doubled up on the strength, you doubled up on the weakness. You didn't achieve any balance. No. Two other things that come to mind too is a mentor told me, back in a day that it's and this is probably what works so well for us is we all started in the same space we did not have any experience we didn't have any money none of us were married at the time which helps so we could take a lot more risk right mm -hmm. and dependence when when you've got someone who say has a lot of experience is a high net worth individual kind of teaming up with someone who doesn't have any of that it can feel very skewed yeah um they may think they're bringing more to the table, so they want a bigger part of the of the pie, and they feel like they're doing most of the work and heavy lifting, and they should get bigger part of the pie. So, if you find someone who's, you know, th this is a good mentor, right? I don't know if this is a good partner versus. I say that now because I'm partnering with a, a good friend of mine who we're, we're kind of like that, but it's a little different. Versus finding someone who has made similar amount of experience, potentially similar amount of net worth, whatnot, to go together, you know, and I would also plan on an exit for mm. that partnership. Don't, don't make it be like, it's going to last in perpetuity. It's like, let's do 20 deals and let's get our cash flow to this a month. And then let's evaluate where we are. And, you know, that's our goal for this partnership. If we want to create a new partnership or if we want to renew this partnership at that point, then we can, but things are going to change a lot on that path. So I think having that starting with the end in mind could be really healthy for a partnership. Gotcha. And understanding that at the beginning on the way in, that, that it doesn't have to be, it, that not the, it, it doesn't go on forever. There's, it's not that there's no exit. There is an exit. There's a time where you reevaluate and there's nothing wrong with that because everyone decided on that at the beginning while you're still friends. Exactly. And I think it's a, it takes a lot of pressure off, right? If you're yeah. talking about partnership and it feels like it's going to be a forever partnership, that's a lot of pressure to make it successful. And, and, you know, I mean, look how hard marriages are for everyone in this country and that's supposed to be forever. Right. Yeah. So I think that could help take pressure off like, all right, we'll do this for three years, you know, whatever it is to create a spot where it doesn't feel like it's forever. Gotcha. There's nothing wrong with extending beyond those three years, but you also no, don't have to feel, you don't feel any obligation. It changes the way you act now in the moment. Yep. Nice. So what age were you when you kind of hit the retirement? Like, I don't need to work anymore. You achieved the goals. It was working. Everything was flowing. Yes, yeah, so we named uh, we named one of our companies, LCs, after our goal. So oh. our goal, you know, we started when we were 20 or I was maybe 26 and they were 25. Okay. You know, four or five years in, we created a company called Free by 35 LLC. Okay. So our goal was <laughs> to be financially at least financially independent, if not financially free, by 35. And I'd say we we were real close to, it, if not on it. Yeah. Gotcha. So 
people are going to respond to that two ways, Mike. Some are going to say, oh, it was easy. You guys were young and you didn't mind showering, uh, you know, outside under a hose. <laughs> I could never do that because X, Y, Z. So, uh, or, oh, must be nice. You started when you were young. You're planning to retire by the time you turn 35, but I'm, I'm 55 already or I'm 65 already. So what do you say to that? It's easy. Like <laughs> what, what it is because what I've, what I've so enjoyed is we've been able to be our own boss through this. So that's been important to us. And I think that's important to a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Two, it's a beautiful way to use, use our mind just to create value around us. And it's a cool way of growing wealth and also helping others. Um, there's so many ways to structure real estate in that way. And you could do it anywhere, right? So like, I don't care how old you are when you start. This is something that I believe is a lot of fun to do for the rest of my life. And even though it was so hard in the beginning, just like most things, when you're learning it and you're building your network, you're building your resources, it gets easier and easier the more you do it. And it's not something that, you know, I think it's something you could do. And what's fun about it is you could, you could do a lot of it or a little bit, of it, especially when you get to a point where you don't need to do it anymore. Maybe you want to put it on the side for six months and travel. Great. You can, this is the type of business that can, if you have a, a restaurant, you can't shut down for six months and then come back to it. This you can say you want to live in Florida and Colorado. Guess what? Those six months I'm in Florida, I can do some business there if I want or not, because I enjoy it. It's fun to look at the deals. It's fun to put them together. It's fun to have that success. And so I guess I would encourage people to look at it as a way to way to enter into a different way of doing life with creating income for you and creating more freedom. In reality, it's going to take work like anything. Anything's going to take work. If, if you need money, you got to do a job. You got to do something to create income for you, right? So that takes work and effort. Why not do something that becomes easier and more fun, in my opinion, as life goes on for you? And you can start that at 70. You know, I mean, if you like using your mind, it's, it's fun. And then you get to engage people like you, Tom, and me, and all these people who are really cool, interesting, amazing human beings, you know? There's a lot of cool people in this business to meet and work with and partner with and just enjoy pushing yourself to find out what type of business you want to get into. Like I've been diving in the note business and talk about complicated. It is fascinating, the time value of money. And some people still spin my head and I think I'm a smart guy out there, you know? So it's, it's awesome. You know, I mean, I may take a break for a couple months and things are slow and then I get bored and I'm like, all right, I, I need to find something to do. Let's go buy a note or who knows. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. And I, so I think, I think those are reasons to start no matter how old you are. And then what potentially could be a lot of fun is you can also, it's a way you can also pass this on to next generation. Yes. You know, like if, so I'm an engineer I'm not going to teach my kid to be an engineer. They're going to go to school for that and they're going to get their own job and career. I'm not really handing anything off to them. I can support them along the way. But if I build a, a real estate business, I they can be a part of it. I can pay them. I can teach them. And I have something powerful to pass on that could be a legacy for multiple generations down the road. And there's life lessons to be taught with it. There's wealth to be created. And there's a lot of ways of just teaching I think how to do life well. So are those enough reasons? I could probably come up with a few more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that covers it very good. But Mike, so I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to ask you a classic. Oh, the classic question I suppose every person thinks as they get older. And you say, if you had met your younger self just starting out, what advice would you give them now? Hmm. So cliche, Tom. I know. I, I admitted it's a cliche. I said it's a stereotypical, yep. <laughs> stereotypical question, but it's cliche for good reason. Because when you start thinking about it, like what what would the what would that kind of not necessarily shortcut, but what's the word of advice? What is it? Mm. What would you say? Two things that come right to my mind is stay the course. Mm -hmm. It does work because we didn't know. 
I mean, we were putting all of our marbles in that jar, hoping it would, but we didn't know if it would. So that would give me the confidence when I was younger than if I had my older self tell me it'll work, just stick with it, to probably be even more gun ho about it. And I, I probably would have um, taught myself at that earlier age, the whole lifestyle design part of it earlier. Because, I mean, we, we had some struggling years where things weren't going anywhere, it felt like. It felt like we're spinning our, our wheels and our goals were demotivating us on top of that. So those are two things that felt, I think, that would help in here to continue to drive it help with the heart to keep it keep your yeah keep focused. us keep us on course yeah yeah you know trying to use anything more specific than that we did a good job we needed it to grow our private lender network but maybe start that earlier too so we had to have to deal with the banks so early problem is you know we need a track record to so they would trust us that we they knew that we knew what we we're doing, but and or you know another thing potentially is partnering with people who knew what they're doing a little earlier on. We did it a little bit in the middle of our career, and that I think helped us get over some big hurdles. Um, there were hurdles to us and not to them. And if we would have started that earlier, we probably would have been able to get going a little quicker. Okay, what kind of partners? Was it? Uh, these were mentors and you know private lenders that we found that we partnered with some stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So what's next? Your business has evolved. It's achieved its goals. It continues to provide and and keep you at your goal, which is you know mm -hmm. lifestyle design and freedom. What's where it's um what's the road ahead? Well, I'm excited to start a family. Awesome. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump into that world pretty soon here. I've been enjoying the hard money business, and so I think I'll continue to run that. I've started a partnership, a new partnership, and I'm more gonna be a more very passive role as a mentor and providing the funds and teach him how to do the legal stuff and organization, and kind of get him, you know, to the next level. And that feels really good. And then I, I'm diving into another business, a life insurance business. Um, and I'm, I'm sure have you heard the whole bank on yourself idea yeah. out there. Okay. It's similar to that. And, and for me, I, what I've been telling people, I feel like I found the holy grail of, of, of investing for me. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's a way of using an asset like whole life insurance and, debt to create double digit returns that are basically tax-free tax deferred until i'm dead okay. and it, with the idea that it creates an income stream for me later down the road and so you know and you know how this is in this business you know we're, we're using our iras our 401ks our roths and trying to find all these ways to not pay so much in taxes right yep. <laughs> and it's complicated and there's so many moving parts and it's time consuming and part of me is like, is this really worth it? And then I stumble upon a way of doing all that with life insurance. And it's so simple with where I'm in life. I want stuff that's more passive mm -hmm. that can still provide income and some kind of return that I, that I think is worthwhile. Initially the life insurance was a place for me to hold my cash, give me four to 5% return, basic tax income free when my money wasn't working in between my investments. So it was a great savings account for me in between my investments. My money was working hard all the time. And now I found a different way of using it with using some debt to, to double or triple those returns. And I got, I just touch it once a year. Nice. How about passive? I touch it once a year and that's it. I don't have to worry about paying taxes on my income stream later. And it's super flexible in terms of when I pay myself and how much. So if my rentals have a down year, I can pay my, myself more from that income stream. Or if I want to avoid a lot of taxes one year, because I sell some properties and I've got to lower my taxable income, I can pull more income from over here. that doesn't hit my taxes at all. It's a way that I'm kind of moving my assets to a different asset class 
that it's going to be more passive and almost guaranteed. I mean, gotcha. <laughs> I don't have to worry about recessions with this. I don't have to yep. worry about my properties or tenants losing stuff. I don't have to worry about the pandemic. My tenants aren't paying. I can't kick them out. I don't have to worry about new laws. Like, you know, we got a mobile home park and the laws they're creating is making it very difficult to manage, very difficult to sell or develop. I don't, I don't got to worry about any of that with the whole life insurance side. So it's exciting. I, I've gotten so excited about it. I got my life insurance license. Mm-hmm. I, I don't love licenses, but I want to be able to <laughs> kind of work with my friends and people I know and walk their hand through the whole process versus handing them off to someone else and hoping they do it right. So it's been exciting. And part of me, like, you know, I, I lend some of my friends money, but if they don't have a certain amount, it's, it's a lot of work to lend 15, 20K out, right? It's really not worth it. Where this business, I can still show them a way to make a great return that I I trust is some of the best I can with whatever amount they have to start with and use. And it's and it's easy to manage. So I'm really excited about that business right now. Very nice. Are you able to provide people with life insurance nationwide or Colorado only or nationwide? Yeah. Nationwide? It's it's a whole system. So the just the whole life insurance policy is part of it, right? And then mm-hmm. there's other parts to put into place to make sure it's run properly and put yeah. together properly. So. so you're able to take the same business skills that you build up from rentals and rehabs and hard money lending and real estate, and you're parlaying them into an insurance business now. Yeah. Because, you know, as, as my friends point out to me, I am very risk adverse. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> you know, I would say some other people in my partnership love taking bigger risks. And I try to find ways of lowering the risk in the deal with the hard money lending. Like it's all about valuing the risk, right? Especially mm-hmm. if I'm using other people's money in that business. Yep. Um, so, and I'm also the detailed guy. So I, I'm the engineer. I get into the weeds, deep into the weeds. And the life insurance business is complicated enough that it entertains my brain in that way. And the risk level is so low I'm just amazed that I can create these kind of returns with such a low risk um, profile. So it's understanding all the details with it because there are a lot I enjoy. There's there's a lot of analysis. You know, I love Excel, so get a dive into that world. <laughs> um, and I I really appreciate the risk profile that I tr- that I I feel good enough to work with others in this process and. You know, if I'm laying their money, like I'm in control, right? If I'm working with them in life insurance, it's kind of the life insurance company needs to do their job, right? And I don't have much control over that. So that's that's why I'm I'm excited because I they've done their job so well the last 150 years that I trust they're going to continue and yeah. um, <laughs> and I can build this this kind of product off of it. So very nice. Yeah, it's kind of all my skills culminated into into in, into this, and it's. Why I think it's the holy grail because I I can see all the parts of it. I understand all the parts of it for tomorrow and for 30 years out. Gotcha. And it still has that lifestyle design goal of you can take a vacation and the business doesn't fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can run this business from anywhere from my side, but the people I work with, like like they need to touch it once a year. That's pretty passive. (laughs) And and I'm the one holding their hand for that touch to make sure they do it all right. Right. So it's It's, there's not really much. Yeah, it's it helps me have a lot more freedom and helps create a passive income stream for the future. Gotcha. The future and I don't care what happens with taxes, right? Like, no. great. They want to raise taxes 50, 60%. I'm okay with that. I've got another stream that I can tap into and not spend all my time working for the government, really. That's... Yeah. Uh, Ah, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear it, but that's effectively what's happened is everyone's, you know, taxes are very confiscatory and they're, ta- I mean, they're taken away so much from yeah. being productive. And so, it, but if you notice the, you know, productive people always keep shifting how and what they do it to avoid being penalized. And, you know, they're, they're smart. They can move countries. They can move assets. There's there's a whole road we can go down there, but yeah, it's 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 a way that I don't have to deal so much with 
the Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, regular IRAs, and and always being worried that I'm going to do a transaction wrong and blow it up, and it's all going to go away. Right? Yeah. It's 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 a different way of of doing things that's much more simple and has a lot of benefits. Right? I mean, Terrific. we didn't even talk yeah. about having you know the death benefit to pass on to the next generation and and a way of moving your legacy to next generation that's helps avoid a lot of taxes too. There's, I mean, there's, yeah. there's all these other benefits that I don't care as much about, but it's still a benefit, right? For me, it's yeah. creating tax-free income streams later in life. So that makes total sense. I'll put a link to contact you in the show notes, Mike. So Great. particularly as you work at Nationwide, that's fantastic. What, um, and, and you still, do you have more real estate specific goals as well, or just keep the good thing going, or are you going to get, you know, delve back into rehabs or is it just finance them with your hard money business? Yeah. You know, I got my, my buddy is doing the rehabs I'm partnering with. So he's managing that and I'm, you know, being a guide and financing and doing all that with him. And, you know, I think I'm just going to stick. I don't, I don't need to acquire more real estate and headaches that come with them. And I enjoy the financing. So I'm probably going to stick with stick with that for now, unless, you know, Katie, who's my fiance, she wants to get into real estate some way. Maybe she'll be excited and want to get into it. Who knows? Definitely love support her in that. Yeah, if I'm going to start having kids and and wanting to play that game, I want more time and freedom, right? So totally that's on my mind right now. <laughs> it's the best thing ever, being able to actually spend time with them and be with them and do things. And then, yeah. you know, you just disappear for a few minutes, take care of business. And then, and then you're back rather than the other way around where, you know, it seems like a lot of dads are trying to squeeze in time mm -hmm. with the kids. I, I squeeze in time for the business. Uh, so that way the focus can be on the kids because they're not that yeah. young forever. <laughs> no. And it's, it's a gift if we have the ability. So I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of that gift for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Mike Vogel. Awesome. So glad to catch up with you. <laughs> Thank you for your candor. Thank you for explaining things in a lot of detail to people. I, uh, somebody commented I should start charging for these podcasts because there's, <laughs> there's so much good information being, um, being imparted, but that's, that's the way I like it because we so. inspire a couple of people here and there and, and they, they radically change. And there's another group of people who uh, get motivated and start moving to me. That's what it's all about. It's nice to share it with people. Yeah. And you know, one thing I'll, one last thing I'll share is if, and this is coming from someone I know who's been very successful at investing, he still goes to I-Corps meetings and on. His thing is if he can get one nugget from all the information and take it with him to improve his investing in his life, it was worth it. So I just hope everyone out there listening gets one thing from this conversation that they can take with them and improve on their life and their business. So Thank you for having me. It was great to see your My face. My pleasure. It's definitely mission accomplished, Mike. There's just it's not a matter of is there a nugget, is which one. <laughs> which is right. good that way. So yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye, Tom. Thanks for listening. Your next step is to visit gettractionpodcast.com. Happy wholesaling. <laughs>